0: Passion Pod 65. Thank you very much for downloading this week's podcast. Absolutely brilliant to have your very ears wrapped around it. Um, Second week of our San Francisco series. So went off to San Francisco. It was meant to be for a holiday. Couldn't resist it. So many amazing people doing amazing things. Uh, and this one, at 65, is courtesy of Adam Greenfield, who is actually the tour guide uh, on a bike tour that I did. Um, and I just thought when he was talking about stuff, I was like, oh, there's more to you, love. There's more going on here. Um, and so accosted him, poor sod, at the end of the tour. Thrust my little card in and said, if you fancy having a chin wag." Extra smiley face. Um, Anyway, so Adam is a community organiser out in San Francisco, uh, basically organising block parties, as he calls them. But in translation, that is a street party. So just bear that in mind when you're listening to the podcast. I think we do chat about it, actually, at one point. But, you know, just want to make sure that you've got your San Francisco translation guide right ready and handy when you need it. Um, So, yeah, he's doing all sorts of wonderful stuff about bringing communities together, but not in a kind of, like, forced dare i say it horrid word networky type way i think we definitely need to invent a new word for networking it's just a horror isn't it uh anyway so that's his gig and that's what he's up to and yeah there's some really really interesting things if this doesn't make you have a little think about stuff i don't know what will Uh, so enough of me over to adam
1: you're listening to passion pod 65 with adam greenfield
0: um, Adam, in a nutshell, how do you explain or like what you do? Because it's a, it's a difficult one to pinpoint down.
1: Essentially what I do is I connect people, but I don't do it in that weird corporate way that we're used to talking about connectivity these days. I'm really into helping people connect physically and meaningfully, and a significant part of that is addressing the interface between people and the built environment. What we have in, in many cities is that we have an environment that essentially isolates people. In the US, cities were often designed in a way that paid no regard whatsoever for the social needs of the human being. So they only designed houses and shops and streets for going here and there, but they didn't create gathering places for people to bump into each other, to just sit and be around people. And that's led to a great deal of problems, um, including mental dysfunction, loneliness, homelessness, all of these issues are significantly impacted by, uh, the isolation that the built environment has produced. So one of the things I do is help people to see that the public realm, which is the space where everyone can be without paying, in other words, streets, the public realm ...doesn't have to be just for moving through... ...and in fact shouldn't just be for moving through... ...if we're to have healthy, balanced societies. Uh, So that's kind of a particular focus of my community organizing... ...is around space... ...and that manifests in helping people to organize block parties organising kind of larger scale events that the whole neighbourhood can come to, the whole community can come to. Um, so you
0: describe yourself as a community organiser, is that how you describe yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm a community organiser.
0: It's like amazing. I don't, think, I don't think I've ever come across anybody that... Is that kind of something that we have back in England or not?
1: Yeah, well, um, there's an organisation in Bristol called Streets Alive, which basically has the same ideas that I do, and they help people organize block parties, except they are very developed in their methodology. They've even started kind of creating sub projects that focus on particular elements. Like one is addressing the isolation that a lot of elders experience. So they they will organize events around that specific demographic, which is very powerful, Uh, but they are sophisticated and successful and they've helped make Bristol the block party capital of the UK and probably one of the great block party places in the world. I love this chat of blocks.
0: This is so, like, not an English term in my head, is it? Blocks?
1: Well... feels um, quite an
0: American term.
1: Yeah, I don't know what Streets Alive would say. Maybe they say street party or something. But because of the way most US cities are designed, they were designed around the Roman grid, which is straight parallel streets overlapping at 90 degrees so it's very easy to talk about blocks because there's a great uniformity to the street layout in somewhere like london for example which was based on you know complete random layout over many many generations changed without really any plan it's been more difficult to talk about blocks in fact in Europe it's difficult to talk about blocks but here it's easy because the cities and towns are uniformly laid out
0: um so tell me how on earth do you get into this what's your background give us a little potted history of yeah how you've come to be doing this
1: <laughs> I really just figured it out by myself There was one day I was, when I was studying for my master's degree in in electronic communication, I was, it just suddenly dawned on me that there wasn't a Facebook group for the neighborhood I was living in, in the southwestern part of San Francisco. So I set one up and then I said, well, I said to myself, I'm going to look a little bit silly if I set up this group and there's no real justification for its existence. So maybe I'll organize like a bar night. We'll just get together in a a bar and just socialize. And so I started doing these bar nights and then it just started evolving from there. I started, I organized a jazz and poetry series in the basement of a karate dojo.
0: As you do. As As you do
1: and other stuff like that and then um
0: but your background wasn't in like community your, your degree did you so you did a degree I'm guessing to get your master's yeah was that in anything to do with no, sociology I, d- or? I did
1: a law degree I it wasn't I have no background at all the only thing is that when I was a kid my dad was the chair of a charity walk and I would as a just a participant on this walk I would ring doorbells a lot and you know ask for one pound or something and I would do that so I guess I had a bit of a precedent in being able to reach out to strangers and just kind of go into that uncomfortable zone of reaching out to people you don't know. Uh, But that's really it. I didn't grow up in a particularly community-oriented environment. I had no background in that. I've always been very outgoing and friendly and talkative, but no one ever talked about these concepts like social fabric, the built environment, gathering places that I talk about today. But when I started to organize in San Francisco, one of the first questions that came to me for which there was no satisfying answer is, when we come together, where are we going to come together? And I looked around and I thought, okay, there's bars, there's cafes, they're not really gonna work that well, they're not big enough, they're private, a lot of people don't wanna go there, they don't wanna buy something.
0: And also immediately as you do that, you're pigeonholing it, aren't you, by saying if we're gonna go to this cafe, you know, the way that we work as human beings, you're suddenly gonna be like, oh, well that means that's probably that type of crowd, or, you know, so you're wanting something I imagine, if you're trying to bring a massive diversity of people that lives in a block, I imagine, so, you know, you're wanting something that's going to be a bit more um, blank canvas. I exactly. Guess.
1: And the ultimate blank canvas is outdoors in the public realm. That is the only place that you can get everybody. They've shown that even when you even shopping centers, indoor shopping centers, as soon as you move commerce indoors, people below a certain income level will not go there anymore. They just won't go. Wow. And you make it more exclusive. Um, That's a big issue in countries like like England that are experiencing an increasing amount of privatization in public spaces. Uh, That is not public space that will not work for connecting everybody. I start to realize that if I want to work in an area where I'm bringing people together, I also need to think fundamentally about the built environment. And it's not the only thing to think about, there's certainly a lot of other things like helping people to share resources, um, helping people to meet each other in houses, just supporting each other more, looking after elders, making sure elders aren't isolated. Uh, We can help people with babysitting so parents get a break. All these things. There's many, many things. But my focus particularly is the built environment because I've seen how devastating the effects of a poor built environment can be, which is unfortunately what we have in many many places and even older places in europe that have been overrun by the automobile are experiencing the same thing and it's it's sad but we can do something about it and we are
0: That's, that's so exciting it makes me be like come on let's do it let's go um so it's it's yeah it's a super exciting um it's the whole idea of it is really exciting but what Immediately hits me straight away is how on earth you're going to make a living from doing that. How do you make it work financially in order to do what you're doing?
1: Well, the first the first thing I do is to conserve my money, the little that I have. Um, you know, one of the great things about being community organizer is that I'm very socially connected, and a great deal of people think very highly of what I do, and therefore they offer their help and that has been invaluable to me. In fact, I couldn't have done what I do without the support of people. You know, there's a saying in, in charity that people give through you, not to you. So people support me because they believe in the cause of community. Uh, I am a vessel for that. I'm not the only vessel, but I'm a vessel and so they support that. And the good way to support that is by supporting me. So yeah, I I conserve money, I'm socially connected, I earn a little bit of money, not a lot, uh, but I like to keep my time predominantly for community organizing. So it's difficult, it's really not easy, especially in a city as expensive as San Francisco. Uh, But we can't allow rising costs to push out the people that the city needs. And I'm one of those people, I'm not the only one. I'm a tiny piece of what's good for San Francisco, but what myself and my neighbours and my colleagues have achieved together I think is is important and hopefully will grow exponentially in the future
0: yeah it's just getting word out there I guess as well isn't it I mean challenges you talk about um you know obviously the financial side but what what have you found personally challenging from doing this sort of adventure of yours like what have been the sort of real hurdles for you
1: one of the big hurdles is resistance to change. Uh, A lot of people have never thought about this issue of the public realm, for example, the physical manifestation of the common good. They've never thought about this. And usually when you're talking about making changes to the public realm, you're going to quickly butt up against things like cars, car access, the flow of cars, the on-street storage of cars, i.e. parking spaces, um, and... There's a theme here. Yes. <laughs> I mean, cars are a significant, have significantly contributed to the degradation of the public realm. Uh, it's
0: quite an abstract thought as well, I think, just, just picking up on that, what you are saying about people's understanding. I think just thinking day to day you know, one just doesn't think about it. It's not something that comes up in a conversation or from my experience. So as you say, that barrier to entry almost of like introducing people to that idea that it's a thing in the first place and then you're dealing with the next bit.
1: Yeah, and when you're dealing with abstractions like community, which is an abstract concept, you know, it's not a thing. The way you do it is by showing them what it looks like and they get it so leading
0: by example in that sense
1: right so when my colleagues and i all organize these events called inner sunset sundays we live in the inner sunset neighborhood we organize them on sundays we do them multiple times a year we take over a street in the middle of the neighborhood and we give them a vision of what it would look like if it were a permanent gathering space and we don't shove the message down their throats we simply put barricades across, we put out activities and things to do, and we let them experience it. And when I also work with neighbors to organize block parties, street parties, you know, I don't introduce it as a way to advance these abstract concepts. I simply say, you know, this is a really fun way to meet people and have a nice time. You have a barbecue in the street, so we pull the barricades across. Children instantly bolt out of the houses, they're running around on their scooters, the grown-ups are barbecuing, they stand around and talk, and that's pretty much it, but then they see it for themselves, and one time someone said to me, a, a parent of a young child, as we were pulling across the barricades at the end of the day to let the cars back through, you know, he said, why do we live like this? Why don't we just keep the barricades up and, and just enjoy this as our space? And I never talked to him about the subject. There was just something that he, you know, he deduced for himself and very naturally. So you just show people and they get it. Um, so sorry,
0: I thought the sentence was carrying on. So did I. <laughs> um, no, I love it. I love that. It's that thing of make, making something a bit more tangible, I think. It makes it such more of a something people can understand. You talk a bit about your team or your colleagues. There's a team of you guys as they're doing what you're doing. Yeah. That must help a bit, I imagine.
1: Yeah, I'm, I've am i started off at the neighbourhood level. You know, San Francisco is has about 115 neighbourhoods. Uh, many of the neighbourhoods you could walk through in a couple of minutes. So they're kind of nice, bite-sized chunks of the city. And that's good when it comes to organizing because people feel a sense of ownership
0: and community spirit you know they feel part of yeah exactly their place yeah I've picked up on that definitely
1: so you just you know I've just bumped into and met many of the people in my neighborhood who really want to do something and some of them have been with me for five or six years and they've been through a lot they put in a lot of effort there's been a lot of dead ends there's been a lot of frustration there's been a lot of work that no one will ever know There no one will ever know what my colleagues and I have been through uh, but has been done and they've been very persistent and they've been persistent because they believe in the same things that I believe in so it's really tough to do what we do and it can be heartbreaking sometimes but we keep doing it.
0: Thank God. Spread the word. Um, Darl. what do you see sort of future-wise for, for the stuff that you're working on? Do you have... what What's the sort of aim it is to bring people basically together, isn't it? On a bigger scale as possible.
1: Mm, yeah, I mean... It's on on a bigger scale as possible, but on a smaller scale possible. It's going to be many small scales. You know, the future will be saved by the few, but it'll be a many few. So if everyone took ownership over their own street, then the world would be a much better place. So instead of always thinking over there, far away, all those people, if we all just take care of our little piece of coral, you know then we'll be good so i would like to scale up what i do but in terms of the manifestation of what i do i want to make sure it stays on a scale that people can connect with there's a lot of evidence that shows that when the size of a community expands beyond about six thousand, it starts losing cohesiveness and the bigger it gets the more people feel disenfranchised um, when a community grows too big people can't see it in front of them anymore people don't understand things get too complicated and people withdraw and we have an epidemic of mass apathy in the world today and it's because the scale at which things are operating have been taken out of the understanding of the everyday person
0: this is so big It's almost like it's swinging back, though.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's a
0: craving, I think, for that. I see definitely that in London. There's such a move to supporting independent food shops and small delivery things rather than big things.
1: Right, right. The Austrian economist Leopold Kerr said um, in his book The Breakdown of Nations, which is one of the all-time great books that discusses the effects of scale on our lives, he said the single problem permeating all existence is size. Whenever there is a problem, it is because something has grown beyond its natural boundaries. And we see this very much in the size of administrative regions. Um, If you compare the problems of the United States, which is a massive country, uh, a mega country of 300 million people, compared to the problems of people in Slovenia, a country of 2 million people. Uh, I recently was in Slovenia. I, I bicycled across Slovenia. And I asked people, what are the problems in your country? And the problems were a joke compared to the epic unsolvable problems that the United so States. So, like,
0: what? What was? What was the answers they were giving?
1: Some, some higher unemployment in the northeastern part of the country. Some politicians not following through on their campaign promises. And I said, "Is there anything else?" Thinking that there must be something else, but no. That's more or less it.
0: Oh, Slovenia is where it's at though. We're obviously in the wrong places.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's a small-scale country where people, the affairs of the country are not beyond you know some degree of, of solutions. And the United States is too large. And if you look across the achievements of humanity from the beginning, the greatest achievements were in small communities. The small city-states of Greece produced the best democracy. Um, The small city-states of Italy produced the finest art. The greatest poets of Britain were around when, when the population of Britain was much smaller or the countries of what we now call the UK were much smaller. So the great achievements of humanity have been in the small, and the more we bring people back to the community level, the more that will begin to happen again. If people can find it in themselves to reach out to the people who live near them, those people are future friends and you know my advice is ring the next door doorbell and then go from there and you will learn many things about yourself you'll learn many things about other people and you will change the world and for me the most inspiring thing has been people like my neighbor emma who i rung her doorbell late one evening and said do you want to have a block party she was up for it, they had a block party. Out of that, she created a little book lending library box outside her house where people can take and bring books. And for me, those things are are where it's at because I see the regeneration of human connection, of human spirit, of human creativity, human empowerment. And it is wonderful. I, I'm just playing a small but important role in helping to unleash that but the answers to the many aspects of building social fabric are not known by me they're not known by anyone they're only known by the people who have to do that work in other words the people in the community they're the only ones who know
0: and, and, and they'll benefit from it you know it makes me excited just hearing you say it you know that that energy is only a positive thing it's only positive i'm yeah. in adam i'm in
1: okay good <laughs> all right Yeah.
0: (laughs) Tell me, what advice would you give to somebody if they're listening to this and they're thinking of doing something similar?
1: Start small. Definitely start small. You know, sometimes you get started in something because you have big ideas, you've read a book that touches upon big ideas, and you want to manifest these big ideas in reality. And that's very admirable. And that time may come. At the beginning, just start as your own client. You know, just start small. Like, for example, in, in my area... A good way to start would be to reach out to the people on your street and organize a get-together and just start doing stuff like that and just see how it works and then one day if it ever happens that you kind of go up a couple of levels and you're advising people on how to start you'll have done it yourself so for me to get to the level i have and you know hopefully many more levels above where i am I've made sure that I've done all of the work on the levels below so I understand how it works and I understand best practices. So starting small is very important. And also don't be obsessed with quantity. You know, it's very tempting to get sucked into seeing success by the number of people that show up to something. And that is really not the correct way to look at it because sometimes you will have very few people showing up to this big hall that you rented for the occasion but it might be that of the four people who showed up, one of them was someone you absolutely had to meet and may make a big impact in your future. So don't worry about numbers. Don't worry about big achievements. Um, Things really do kind of unfold in their own way and you really just have to keep going. You've been listening to Passion Pod 65 with Adam Greenfield.
0: Inspiring, right? Yeah. There was a lot to talk about and a lot to think about, definitely. Stuff that actually I hadn't really thought about in that context, if that makes any sense. Uh, So just so enjoyed chatting to Adam. Yeah, really, really interesting and very exciting what he's up to. Uh, So lovely to be able to share it with you. Thank you so, so much for listening. And don't forget, if you liked the sound of this, there's loads of these online. You can either head to our website, passionpods.co.uk or find us on iTunes. You can subscribe to us and then you get each one every week without any hassle or fuss. Um, So, yeah, just big fat thanks for choosing a bit of this to hang out with. So next week, San Francisco series continues uh, chatting to a guy who set up a packaging company. When you think that, you think sort of old school boring. They're kind of trying to mix everything around, uh, redoing packaging. And they've got some really, really cool stuff and some great ideas. Uh, And I will be chatting to them next week. So don't miss it. Find us on iTunes and look forward to hanging out then.